sort of um so what is pretty cool immediately that i'm noticing is that you have got a podcast room that's um (laughs) that's something that not a lot of people can say they've got yeah that that at the space at the well that's what it's known as isn't it the space but the the gym is it like an attachment to yeah i'm still in the non-profit podcast room today so yeah it's pretty nice. Obviously, I'm not connected to any of the equipment because I don't know how and I don't want to piss off Mr. Mark Twight. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any, anybody wants to really do that, do they? I know. Can you imagine coming in and just like rewiring his stuff? He would probably <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, I haven't actually reached out to Mark. That would be quite a, um, a, a landmark checklist for me to actually sit down and speak with Mark. As um, he was part of the reason that I got, well, formed my gym in the way I did. He was, he was. Well, I, I look at Mark as a as a, a mentor, even though me and him have never met. We've we've spoken a few times over various yeah. platforms, but yeah, that would be that would be kind of cool. But um, yes. less less about Mark and more about Erin. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what came first for you, fitness or food, in terms of? Um, working with clients well food obviously yeah (laughs) i mean i started chefing with my dad at a very young age my dad is a is a chef he was kind of a big time chef in salt lake city and then um recently moved to oregon and he owns um like a high-end food truck up in oregon and so i started you know cooking with him at home cooking with him at his restaurants um and so definitely the love for food started first before fitness, um, but they kind of go hand in hand, right? Yeah. But yeah. I started with food quite a bit sooner um, and then obviously got into fitness um, at a fairly young age. I ran cross country in high school, um, you know, started loving uh I wouldn't even say the fitness world. Like I wasn't one of those people that was like, Oh my gosh, I just have to be in this fitness world. Obviously Instagram didn't exist back then, but you know, I didn't care about it that much, but what I cared about was aesthetics. Like I really, really cared about body composition and, um, I realized at a fairly young age that I could manipulate that with through food. And so that's kind of where the two, married each other and i'm kind of where i am now <laughs> uh, awesome so how does because you've trained some quite um high profile people should we say or been around them that have been on um yeah. like sort of high profile movies etc how does that come mm-hmm. about does that is that just like you one one day you get a phone call do you get an email <laughs> um is it sort of linked into the the space that you're in now or the space that you used to train at? Um, you know, it's always baffled me. It's like if I was to get a text message saying, hi, Darren, I'd like you to train uh, 
such and such for this upcoming movie. That would blow my mind because it, it, ne it never really came about. I mean, I've trained MMA fighters and I, that oh, awesome. have, have done quite well. Um, and I've, I've trained lots of soldiers and bodyguards mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But I get, it's, it's probably down to where I am, should we say. If, you know, if I was in London, probably opportunities like that probably would have come. Yeah. Possibly. Whereas little old Hereford in England, you know, which is more or less in Wales anyway, the jobs like that don't tend to, to come about. So I've always been kind of curious how sort of you sort of found your, your way into that, that side of coaching people. I think I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I have a little bit of luck. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, you know, Mark was, uh, I know I did a couple of movie jobs before 300, but mm -hmm. you know, Mark was really put on the map with 300 yeah. as far as the movie world goes. Um, and then at, during Rise of an Empire in Bulgaria, the filming um, required Mark to go over with an assistant, which happened to be my husband, Michael Blevins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as they kind of progressed and chipped away at more and more movies, Justice League came about and, you know, uh, so let's see, Batman versus Superman was before Justice League. So when Michael and Henry Cavill were on Batman versus Superman, um, right after that production, that production got expanded. They had some rewrites. And so that happened to be like a year long movie project, which almost never happens, it seems. Um, Henry decided to, um, I think it was remodeling his flat in London. And so he actually came out and stayed at our house for a couple months and That's like cool. hiked and trained with us. It was like the middle of winter and we're like, sure, come and stay in our little teeny house with your massive dog. And <laughs> so we just all became really good friends. Um, and so when Justice League rolled around, Henry actually requested me to be a chef, which was pretty cool. And so, you know, that was the first movie job that Michael and I hadn't been separated for a long period of time. Like usually he'll go and I feel like he's on deployment and I stay home and work and chip away and it's, it's tough. And so this was a really cool opportunity to go and um, work with these guys. So yeah, yeah look, right place at the right time. <laughs> most, most people don't realize things like that do they I mean the sacrifice I mean I, I touched on it when I spoke to Michael but the sacrifices people put in mm -hmm. but, you know and it's, it's quite I've even had people that I work with now will even say oh God, it must be so hard to um, get paid to look a certain way on on a, on a screen and it's like it's not just that like come on they, they do yeah. have other things that they're doing and there's, there's other people that put in a hell of a lot of work to ensure that they look I mean all the steroids in the world, like unless you're training in the correct way, you're not uh -huh. going to look like Superman. It's a lot of dedication. It's a lot of work from more people than just the actor. And like you said, like, I, I don't know if it was when I spoke to Michael, if I heard it on the nonprofit um, podcast, saying like the, the amount of time spent away from friends and family. Because I didn't realize how long Mark and Michael were over in Bulgaria for the until I read I, I read like a, um, I think it might have been something that Mark had written 
years and years and years ago when I think that while, while they were over there and it was about potholes and riding their bikes and yeah stuff and uh, <laughs> like a lot of people just don't realize just how much work goes into creating because it's they have to look a certain way like a Spartan has to look like a Spartan on the screen otherwise it's you just you're not selling the movie correctly and I suppose that comes sort of into what you then do. I mean, I'm not sure how hands-on you are in terms of training with any of the people, but in terms of cooking as well, like mm -hmm. you, ha you, your job is as important as say Mike, Michael's or or Mark's, because if you fuck their their diet up and they don't look a certain way, that's on you as much as Mark or Michael. It's it's a lot of pressure, actually. I don't know if I. It's for me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. It is. It's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, you obviously whatever you eat shows up, and yep. in this case, it shows up in filming, and it shows up in whoever's making the suit. So, mm -hmm. you know, every time Henry Cavill went in to go get a Superman suit fitted, um, all of his different suits that he wore in Justice League, like you know, they're measuring every little, you know, inch of every ab that goes mm -hmm. into the suit. And if that stuff doesn't line up exactly where we're projecting it to be, we did something wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, every day, um, I just talked about this on the nonprofit podcast where I kind of lost my neurosis for my own personal tracking, because when I had to work for Henry Cavill, and plan out his nutrition i was using literally like a, a european tracking app plus my fitness pal like all of these different tracking apps mm -hmm. just so that i could get the correct information some some everything was somewhere in between right so i'd mm -hmm. type in you know one food and four different answers would come up so i'd have to take an average and this is on every single item that he's eating so uh, yeah, it, yeah it was an incredible amount of work and then you know, weigh-ins would happen. And on top of all of that, you have to figure out how to make food taste good and palatable every day so it doesn't get sick of what he's eating. Mm -hmm. That's a big um, thing for you, isn't it? Is, is ensuring that the food is enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Because I, I get asked quite a lot. Um, I work with chefs now, I am a chef. And it, it, they, yeah. quite often, they quite often will say, oh, which is funny because chefs tend to have absolutely zero idea of how yeah. to actually eat them it's it's borderline shocking how bad chefs are at looking after themselves but um You're overweight yeah <laughs> overweight or really underweight that tends to it tends to be one of one or the other um mm -hmm. and i had um one of my bosses ask me the other day he was like what can i do to sort of just tighten up around the middle a little bit you know what exercises like you need to watch what you're eating you know, yeah. eat it, eating three burgers a day isn't going to help with that, that waistline, my friend, I'm, I'm afraid. And he wasn't overly happy with the, with the answer. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, um, but yeah, going back to what I was saying, like it's easy to just say to him, just eat chicken and broccoli and you'll, you'll soon <laughs> lean out. But um, that's not only is that boring to, and there's no effort involved in that, but it's also, it's not sustainable. Like just eating chicken right. and broccoli unless you like my dad for example i always say to him he's, he's come around quite a bit recently since the last lockdown actually my dad because he, he never used to try my food 
because he's, mm-hmm. he's very much meat and two veg and, and some gravy. That is, that's his staple diet. <laughs> um, but uh, I cooked for him for a few times as we were, we were locked down and he, he sort of come around a little bit. But um, I always say my, my dad's kind of institutionalized. He's uh, military from 16, mm-hmm. um, then went into the prison service. And now he does um, sort of uh, security for a uh, Middle Eastern um, royal family. Um, oh, and and he, but he eats because he has to eat. Mm-hmm. He, he gets no enjoyment out of food. He, he literally sitting around. So it's it's odd, isn't it? But like sitting around having a conversation at a dinner table is not not something that he could get his head around he lit which is quite funny because i always have a uh, a section in my podcast called shit my dad does um because because he lives with me um and i notice like annoying shit that he does all the time i usually bring that up but um i suppose awesome. for, for, the, for this one it would be um yeah he he literally he he doesn't have regular social cues like say you and i where mm-hmm. quite a, a night out would be to go and have some nice food with some friends and maybe share a bottle of wine my dad will eat that food as quickly as possible and leave <laughs> get to the pub get to the pub as soon as possible he's, he's getting he gets known but um yeah so i think what what i was saying was that um it's making sure that food is still enjoyable still full of flavor still like it's it's one of the main parts of your day eating and absolutely it's it should be there to to enjoy and not be worried about oh I've I've eaten this therefore I've got to go for a, a ten mile run. It's right. it should it should all go hand in hand. But I think as as humans we seem to have lost that connection with our food and and our movement as well. It's it's always this or that. It's never well you can have that but you've you know it's just yeah so, absolutely. Do do you think that comes from growing up? It, with the with your dad doing what he what he did do you think that's where possibly um i i think that i always was the type of person who needed food for comfort right um i i watched my dad um use he's actually a phenomenal musician as well i watched him give his love through food and through music and so I think that there's so much like love attached to food, like come over to my house and I'll feed you. That's how I'm giving you my love. Mm-hmm. Um, but in return, I think that food can really affect mental state. So if, if we're on a project like, you know, okay, we're on an eight month project where we have to get Superman from point A to, to basically big screen ready, you know, and we're in London getting into the winter months where it's pretty dark and dreary food is going to have to be that one warm thing where, you know, if Henry's working all day, he looks forward to that thing. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that it does raise your spirits. I think that it keeps you in a different mood. And I think that if it tastes good, you're not like, Oh my gosh, another meal of, you know, shit. (laughs) So it it has to taste good or else what's the point? Um, You know, I, I can't imagine really and I guess that this is such a first world thing to say, but I can't imagine eating something that doesn't taste good. Like why waste the calories, you yeah. know, on, on something that doesn't taste good, but that doesn't mean 
I'm eating just sweets and treats all day. You know, I, I have, I, I feel like I've done fairly well at making food taste good and still be very healthy or, you know, the correct macro balance that I need it to be for a certain outcome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. Why would you not have your food taste good? I've only met a couple of people where they're like, I really don't care about food. I'm just doing it to stay alive. If I could take a pill and that's what I ate, that would be great. Um, maybe your dad is one of them, <laughs> but it, I mean, to be fair to him, he, he, like I said, he has come around <laughs> ever so slightly. Um, like if I'm, to cook, <clears throat> if I'm cooking like a Thai curry or something like that, he'll mm-hmm. come in and his initial reaction is, Oh, I can't eat that. It'll give me a bad stomach. So just try it. And then he ends yep. up finishing like <laughs> a, a, a portion of it and then, yeah. but then you always find that he's then asking me every day then like uh what are you having for dinner tonight then i have to try and think of things like, what about the <laughs> yeah so um yeah he he is odd but it, <laughs> he honestly I, I could do a podcast just on him he, he's so funny to, to be fair i i don't think traditional british food is that great no offense uh well I, I can see I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, I'm I'm quite influenced from all over. I mean, I, I learned to cook um, in a Chinese restaurant when I was like 14. Okay. Um, I started off as a as a pot wash there and worked my way through. Did all sorts uh-huh. of jobs there. Um, and obviously, when I was then 18, I moved over to the states and did some work um, in upstate yeah. New York. So I got influenced all, all over like. I hadn't really tried Mexican food, like proper Mexican food, until I had been over in New York. And apparently, yeah. the Mexican food in New York's not that great. You've got to go further west to um, yeah. experience that proper. Works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I could sort of agree with you. You can't really beat a, a, a good English Sunday roast. That's always, that's always good on a Sunday. It's a real traditional thing. Which yeah, is a bit, you're like, right. a bit like Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving. Um, you're right. And traditionally on, on a Sunday in, in the UK, that's, that's the main meal. Uh, fish and chips, you can't really go wrong with, but then the rest of our meals, you, you can't really, there's not, apparently um, curry is a national dish for uh, the UK now. Because yeah, so many people eat it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what what other traditional English food have you had or British food? Uh, a lot of peas. Peas, yeah. <laughs> we, do, we do love a pea over here. Yeah, I, I I'm never I've never been a fan of peas. And when I moved to London, um, I'm like, why does everything have peas in it? Okay. Like, this yeah. isn't a thing. Like, this is something you might like throw a handful in soup just to, you know, for color, but. Um, yeah, I I mean, I didn't really get a a good feel for traditional British food because I lived in London and London just has everything, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, we did eat, we ate so much Thai curry and Indian curry and, um, we had everything in London. We just had access to everything. So that's kind of a bad, bad representation, but 
yeah, we did go out for a traditional Sunday roast a couple times, and it was pretty good. Yeah, so. I mean, um, it. I wonder actually, because I've had Sunday dinners in uh, London a few times, and there's there's a great divide in the UK over mm-hmm. how you should have your gravy. Okay. Now, the further north you go, or into Wales, they like their gravy really thick. Mm-hmm. Um, and the further south you go, the thinner the gravy gets. Uh, I actually have this, one of my chefs is from Southampton and uh-huh. he, um, he likes to have his gravy more like a jus. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas everybody else in our kitchen, because we're, we're, well, we're in the Midlands, so we're right in the middle. They like to have theirs somewhere in between the thick and the, and the thin. Oh, um, that's funny. So I wonder, actually, when you're in London, if you've got a good representation of a Sunday roast. Because they... everything was pretty thick, but I didn't have anything to really compare it to. Yeah, because I, so... I think I remember that when when you and Michael were down, there was almost an opportunity for you guys to come train at the gym I had at the time. Uh-huh. And we just missed each other by like a couple of days, I think, I feel. Because... Uh-huh. Um, I, remember I think you had some free time and I was like, yeah, yeah, come, come up. And if you want to bring Henry more than welcome, free, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't even remember what happened, but it just didn't, just didn't marry up. And it was, that was always a bit of a regret of mine. Cause, um, I think Michael had to fly back to Miami and, uh, for, I think he was doing a speaking engagement in Miami. So he <laughs> literally flew out for the night and flew back. Uh, right. And I had the opportunity to go and do, um, actually it wasn't an opportunity at all. Michael made me go <laughs> with my comp team because he didn't want to leave me in London alone. So he's like, go do tribal clash in Devon. So I think that that was where we kind of missed you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's such a good segue <laughs> onto the next thing. You've competed at quite a high level, uh, athletically, haven't you? So I've, I've, seen um, many a photo of you in absolute agony but then yeah. in abs- absolute joy like the further right you swipe all right <laughs> um, um how, how did you get because as as i remember going back probably about 10 years um mm-hmm. in terms of michael and uh mark like crossfit mm-hmm. was a was a faux pas when I first got into the whole um, old space uh, website and whatnot, it was always like a not not really discussed thing. Mark was quite against Greg, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So how how did you sort of, because didn't you, you met Michael through training, didn't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I met Michael, um, he was coaching at another gym before Jim Jones, Um, and I met him at the gym that he was coaching at uh, previously, and then he went to Jim Jones, and I went over with him, Um, well, uninvited, (laughs) I went with my friend and just never left, Um, but yeah, Yeah, I, I didn't know really the difference between all of the cross training like at the time I was competing in half marathon running was kind of like my main sport and I was doing a little bit of gym work here and there but I'd never done anything like what we were doing at old school Jim Jones at the time you know Mm -hmm. and so I kind of got 
I kind of jumped in head first and, you know, trained at Jim Jones for quite a while. And, you know, to, to me, for me at the time, um, obviously I got stronger. I was, you know, at a pretty good place as far as conditioning went, but in my head, like I didn't care whatsoever. I met, I was there after the politics with CrossFit. And so I didn't like, none of that stuff resonated with me. Um, and so I wasn't like super anti CrossFit. I just didn't know anything about it. Um, and you know, Mark and Michael would say, just don't tag CrossFit in our, in any of our photos. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And <laughs> so, you know, I just kind of did my thing. I really, really enjoyed working out. And then I kind of left, um, I left the gym to compete a couple more times in half marathon. And so I was kind of back and forth and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then, um, I ran one final half marathon and I remember crossing the finish line and I'm like, I'm never running again. Like this <laughs> is it. It's my last race. And I had a fat, I got a 124 half marathon, which was, you know, fairly fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like a six, six eighteen or six seventeen minute mile average, which is, you know, it's pretty fast. I mean, I've now that same half marathon girls are running it in in 109. So, mm. you know, it's just insane to see how fast people get over the years. But yeah, it just running injured me so much and I couldn't get back into the headspace of like making myself go that long anymore. I don't know why. Like I just couldn't put in the hours anymore for training. Like I, I wasn't interested in it whatsoever anymore. And so I kind of like stumbled around wondering what I was going to do. And obviously I went back to Jim Jones. Um, I trained with Rob McDonald a little bit and, um, you know, and then Michael got home from a job. And so I trained with Michael and my training was just kind of at a standstill. And I, I knew that I wanted to compete, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, um, Michael left for Bulgaria and I ended up going to this little teeny, like super ghetto CrossFit gym up by the gym that I was working at. And I really liked it. Um, I did tell the gym owner that I was from Jim Jones and I felt like they really picked on me as far as like, Oh, well, we're going to give her this and this and this. And I'm like, you know, I came from a gym where I was fairly picked on, you know, like I just, I really want to train and get better at this stuff. And, um, that was kind of my first introduction to CrossFit was people messing with me because I was from Jim Jones and, Mm -hmm. um, Michael got back, we kind of trained together and then we had the opportunity to actually buy a CrossFit gym. And so Michael and I went up to this CrossFit gym and we're kind of in a working role of taking this gym space over. And so it was very much CrossFit programming and, um, I really liked it. Like I enjoyed the structure. I really liked the conditioning pieces. I was already fairly strong um, just from lifting so much at Jim Jones. You know, I'd built this massive amount of strength um, just from volume training. Mm-hmm. And um, Michael and I then got the call to go to London. And so this wasn't that long ago that I got into CrossFit. I got into CrossFit like right before we moved to London to do Justice League in 2016. And, you know, we're, we moved to London and kind of found a gym that Michael knew about, Perpetua. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think I know somebody that coached there for a little while. Yeah. I think I think it was there. Yeah. Guy called Ollie Frost. I used to train him. He was a professional rugby player and he moved down to London. I think I think it's there. See, it's there or some I I can't remember. uh, Now the gym's called Battersea Park. So but when we were there, it was, it was CrossFit Perpetua, and they yeah. had quite a competitive uh, comp team. Like, these guys were competing quite a bit. And, you know, Michael and I started going to this gym. We rented a space to train Henry out of when we weren't at the studio. Mm-hmm. And so I just started training CrossFit pretty much every day. Um, and I loved it. Like, it was just so much fun. These guys were so competitive. Like, there was never days when you could go in and just say like, Hey, I'm going to take it easy today because I really feel like shit. It was always a race. Like everything was a race. And I just, I don't know, I guess I got fairly fit for where I was at the time. Um, I started competing with Alexis Rufus who, um, made it to the games last year. She's a fairly fit, um, master's athlete now out of London. And, you know, she was just so fit and fun to train with that I kind of took off. I I did nine major competitions when we lived in London, which are, most of those events are now sanctioned events. So I competed quite a bit when I was in London. Um, And yeah, now I'm super broken, but I still love CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the Um, thing for for the average person. I think that's, that's always been my my one thing I went through, I, I spoke to Michael and Rob Fusco about this. It was like, mm-hmm. I went through a stage. I fucking hated CrossFit. I hated yeah. it. Um, it was taken, well, the way I thought of it at the time, which I'm a bit older now, a bit, um, a bit more mellow. It was, it was <laughs> there were guys that were doing weekend courses that were taking away my clients and mm-hmm. my client base, should we say, the people that would normally reach out as CrossFit started getting bigger, sort of like 2014, I think it would have been, stuff that I'd worked for for a long, long time, was just being pulled away by guys that had trained for a weekend and paid a thousand pounds to do a course. Um, And like like I said, I I look at it completely different now. It's like, you know, if that's what you want to do, crack on. I I could help you in, in whatever competition you're wanting to do, or I don't have to. Yeah. But um, I think um, my main gripe I've always had, and I still have to this day, is the fact, and maybe now that it's sort of changed hands and you know you don't know how they're sort of going to market things and stuff, but it was always that you would get somebody strong enough to be able to do certain movements, mm-hmm. but they're not physically capable of doing it, right. if you know what I mean. Like, like your muscle-ups and stuff. Like You can train somebody to do a muscle-up. It doesn't mean they're connective tissue the 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 bones etc are gonna like going through that sort of movement yeah. it's it's a, it's a gymnastic movement that's designed for a gymnast to do if you've never yeah. done any gymnastics your body's not gonna be able to cope and that was always oh. it's always been sort of a thing for me was like people would say to you, oh, i'm gonna do this crossfit I'm like good luck come and see me when you're injured and i'll oh, yeah. I'll, I'll help <laughs> you get back to your normal stuff but like I said, the, the older I've got, the more I, you know, I don't give a shit. Like if, if 
I think my my introduction to CrossFit was probably through uh, reading stuff that Mark had written, um, mm-hmm. and then YouTube and stuff, and seeing people like Rob Wolf being completely shunned by the the business and stuff, and having that sort of underlying like for no reason because CrossFit never did anything to me. I always just had this underlying sort of fuck you, <laughs> to, to, which is it's it's a crazy thing to think about now because because I'm older. Yeah. Like 20 year old Darren would have been very, like, thought he knew everything about everything and had an opinion on everything. Whereas now I'm just like, whatever. Like, if you, I'm the same with like bodybuilding. When you see people doing like bench presses in like weird positions and stuff, it's like, okay, if it works for you, it works for you. Like, I don't care. Maybe it's because I'm like, sort of out of the industry now like i'm still like part of what you guys are doing I still, i've just mm-hmm. been doing the the space program not that i can oh. do a great i can't do a great deal of it because i've only got a few kettlebells here but um uh once my gym's back open i'll be using that as a reference and mixing yeah. that up a little bit but as far as training people like i said to michael when i spoke to him i was like i'm getting a bit of an itch to train people again but at the same time, it has been nice not having, like, working for somebody and working in a restaurant has been nice not having to worry about where my next pound is coming from. Because right. as, as I'm, well, you guys seem to have it dialed in how, how you run things. And it's probably through all of your collective experiences. But I'd get it all the time where it'd be like, I'm having to text people like, are you going to pay me? this this month oh man yeah i don't i don't like putting up with that um usually well now i've kind of ran through a system of you know just put your card on file it's going to be a reoccurring charge until Mm -hmm. you don't want to work with us anymore because i don't want to deal with it like i hate chasing that stuff um but looping back to like crossfit i i i kind of see where you're coming from well i definitely see where you're coming from and i I felt the same way as far as like Michael and I would travel and pop into CrossFit gyms and see just the most atrocious movement patterns I've ever seen in my life. Um, But at the same time, you know, we'd go to these competitions and we'd see athletes at a higher level. And so, you know, I kind of in my head thought there's got to be a bunch of idiots training like a complete disaster who really don't care about getting better at anything they just want to sweat and this just happens to be the medium that they're choosing um you know and i wanted to be at that higher level like i i really wanted to do crossfit just so that i had something to compete in um when i'm not when i'm not competing i'm doing things like the space program like i'm not doing crossfit all the time mm-hmm because I can't like, it's, it's too damaging for me personally. Like I'm five, eight and I am all limbs. Like CrossFit is probably yeah. <laughs> not a sport that I should even be dabbling in, but I enjoy it. And so I just, I have to figure it out for me. And most of what I do for my training is conditioning. And I really haven't been doing strength work all that much this year. Um, cause I've had some pretty bad injuries that I've, it hasn't, I haven't been able to lift. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, hopefully I'm building this massive engine and I can come back and implement strength in when I can. And if there's a competition on the horizon, which 
right now there is one. Um, but if it works out and I feel fit and healthy enough for it, I'll go. Um, but I'm definitely not coming in training CrossFit all the time because it, I feel like a lot of times CrossFit, especially if you train with competitive enough people, um, it feels like every day is a competition and I don't think it needs to, you know, especially with those movements. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd rather save that for closer to competition prep. So, oh yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, Again, I think this is this is a Mark um, quote, which was I, I think it's, it's always stuck with me. And I used to have art, like full-on internet arguments. I'd be there putting my, putting on my argument gloves. I'm going to start typing now. And I'm pretty sure it was Mark that said it. Um, mm. And it's for whatever reason, it's always stuck with me. And I always used because I I I played uh, soccer. Um, Played a bit of rugby when I was at school. Um, um, track and field, did all that, all that, all that stuff. And I always saw the gym as an extension of that. Like that was the re- the reason I would be in a gym would be to get better at the thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I th- I'm pretty sure it was Mark that was always like, like training to be the best at being in a gym is not a thing. And it's it's always been it's always like, like Mark would use. Like he, but he also said like, like everything works as long as it works and then it doesn't. That's another thing that's always stuck with me that, that Mark's always said, like he would, he noticed a dramatic change when he first started doing CrossFit way back when in Mm -hmm. his climbing for a short period of time until it didn't work anymore until his, Mm -hmm. the, the hours and hours and hours he spent accumulating practice on mountains started to get undone by the the work that he was doing in CrossFit because obviously the two don't match up directly they're going to help in some ways but it's they don't match up directly you've got to spend more time climbing than you you are clean and jerky um but like my, my brother's a fucker for this he'll say to you have you, have you seen the um the fittest man on earth on on netflix i'm like you know damn well I haven't watched that. Like, there's there's no way. Uh, but he'll yeah. he'll he'll do the same with the uh, that vegan documentary. I can't even remember what it's called. You know, you've seen this. I was like, no, stop fucking trying to wind me up because he knows that I'll watch ten minutes of it and turn it off. Um, but yeah, I, the the thing the thing for me nowadays so much with these because um, there, there was a different sort of CrossFit thing that came up recently, wasn't it? Like a league some sort of league that, mm-hmm. that they were doing. I don't even know if that's still a thing or if COVID's completely oh, killed it. I, I'm not sure what it's got. I just remember seeing something and I was like, well, that's in, in a sense, that's good because that's competition for CrossFit. And I mm-hmm. think for the longest time, they were so unrivaled because I mean, what were the alternatives? Just go to your, your Globo gym or go to your fitness class where you sit on a big bouncy ball and make yourself <laughs> feel better or yeah. go and do something that, because there wasn't many Jim Joneses, there wasn't many, the asylum that I had, uh, project yeah. deliverance. There's not many of them that will offer the, I mean, as far as I know, Jim Jones started training people like, was it Tommy Hackenbrook? And there, is that the right guy? Tommy, is that, am I getting Yeah, that? Jim Jones trained Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, for, I mean, for, he was already a phenomenal athlete before yeah. Jim Jones got yeah, him, yeah. but. 
what I'm saying is that like, like you could go and you could be you could do jujitsu or you could be training for yeah. CrossFit. Whereas CrossFit don't really, on the whole, offer that. It's like you do CrossFit or you you go somewhere else. And yeah. um, when I saw that there was that league kicking around, I was like, do you know what? This might actually do the fitness industry because I mean I do love uh, I. I don't know if it's Michael or Mark who came up with it. The fitness is fucked. I love uh -huh. that slogan because when you yeah. look at it on the whole from like you, you or I looking at the fitness industry, like I could, me and you could talk all day, all night about food, uh, macros, uh, different <laughs> movements, etc. We could talk for hours about it. Yet some girl with a big ass posts a picture. She's going to get more attention on social media than you and I are going to get. And right. I, was, I was just thinking that, do you know what I mean? That like having that bit of competitiveness between two brands that potentially are doing some good, now that I think mm -hmm. about it as a slightly older, less angry person, <laughs> that, that's good. Like having a competitor is good. And the competition side of it, like you were saying, like you enjoy competing. Yeah. Um, I'd, personally have never seen the gym as a competition other than against myself like I don't get like I know if I'm going to get on an airdyne I'm not going to put up numbers like Michael for example Michael's yeah. going to starch me every time but there will be certain things that I'll be able to do that that Michael can't for uh, for an example um so I've always found the gym as like a I, I'm just competitive against me like I know whether or not I've done well enough but I have trained a lot of people yeah that require that competitive side within the gym and without it they ju they just don't perform like they that's why they came to me in the first place because yeah. it's you know i'm i'll put my hands up and say that i plagiarized a lot of marks not plagiarized but used a lot of marks work like using the black and white photography using the um mm -hmm. certain shots of people in agony to to try and like sort of coax out the people who find that an attractive yeah. way to train. And, th you know, the more I, I talk to people and the more open I've been, the more I can see, well, yeah, I can see why CrossFit is a success because it does, yeah. it does encourage people. You know, I was always like, oh, they're all failed fucking athletes. They, they never made it in the sport that they wanted to do. That's why they do so well because they're high performing people. Yeah. performing against not <clears throat> such high performing people but the more i look at it it was like no 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 no. they're just people who like to train and they're good at what they do so i needed to take myself yeah. away from that sort of the, the stigma of like oh you're just fucking you're just the best at the gym well done sort of thing I, well i i think there's a major disconnect right like you know, if you play, if you grow up playing sports or doing gymnastics or you're on the swim team, like you get out of high school and unless you're playing college, which you have to be fairly good at whatever sport you're playing to play college ball or on any kind of college team, what do you do after college? I mean, if you're yeah. not going pro and there's a very few people who are going pro at anything or you're not, you don't have what? a shot at the Olympics, like what are you doing? And so... I think CrossFit is brilliant in the sense that they're giving people something to do. Do I think that it's the best example of what fitness could be? No, but 
I can respect that someone out there gave so many people something to do. Mm-hmm. No, no, <laughs> I know? agree. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. I mean, I love competing. I wish I was a better athlete. <laughs> I would probably like it more. <laughs> I am. Um, I tell you what did surprise me when you said you were five, eight. Now in my head, you're uh-huh. taller than five, eight. Cause in all oh, your really? pictures, cause you're so, you are very limmy, aren't you? Yeah. You always look really, really tall. In, yeah. in, I mean, five eight's not small for a girl, is it? But it, yeah. at the same time, I was expecting it to be like a five eleven, six foot. So no. I'm quite shocked because it. But you are still taller than me. I'm only five seven. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I I have a huge ape index. I have a plus nine ape index, which is um, a little bit longer than Michael Phelps, the pro swimmer. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like all arms and all legs, and so certain things I get away with in CrossFit, like you know, I'm fairly good at cleaning and deadlifting and rope climbs and things like that, rowing. Um, but, you know, CrossFit's such a small person sport, not small person, but short person sport. So like, I've, eventually... I've always said that to, um, to I, the, the larger guys that would put up bigger numbers in terms of their deadlifts and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I'd always be like, I'll start you on literally any time workout. Yeah. No, I said even like we'll go off percentage of our body weight. Then I'll still beat you. I've yeah. got a shorter. I've got a shorter distance to travel on everything. We do a burpee. Yeah. It takes me less time because I'm small. It was always a thing because um, I used to train a guy called Ash Amos, who's a uh, jujitsu guy now. He he competes mm-hmm. on Polaris and um, things like that, quite high. Um, high level um, and he like when it came to rowing or anything that required but I always that was another thing so I was like I'm going I'm, I'm barely gonna break any sort of record that I set on a row machine because mm-hmm. I'm so much smaller than you guys but he'd <laughs> he'd hit like ridiculous numbers on a rowing machine like talking yeah. like like for all his faults Rob McDonald like he hits silly times on things like a ski erg and a row machine. And I was always like looking at it thinking, I've got to really rethink how I'm programming for other people because that's yeah. not that's not a realistic thing. And like he's I could never heavy. get Say again. He's also very heavy. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a pink gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> um, but somewhere in there CrossFit evens out for tall people, you know. I think that it, if I can get the events that work for me, um, I can do rather well. And it's just kind of always a luck thing. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't try hard, but obviously I'm better at certain things than others. Um, yeah, when I, it was interesting when I moved to London, I think I got a little bit of, um, I, I don't know if I would call it false sense of success in CrossFit, but coming from the United States, like, one thing that I noticed moving to London is, um, you know, and I was fairly lean when I, when I moved to London, but I felt like I was quite big for being there. Um, like walking around, I, I didn't see other girls with the same kind of like physical appearance as me where, you know, I walk around in the United States and like, I'm the least muscular girl around. It Mm -hmm. feels like, 
And there I was just an anomaly um, until I met some of the people on my CrossFit gym. Um, but I, I don't think strength for females was where, uh, where it wasn't where it was in the United States quite yet. Like it wasn't um, socially acceptable to be very muscular in London when I moved there which was great for me because I came in from the United States and I have this like, you know, at the time, eight years of, of strength training behind me. And so mm -hmm. I came in fairly strong to competitions. Um, I always find, um, well, since, since I was working mm -hmm. in, in the United States, I find that you guys in terms of fitness, I think, what did I call it? Fitness, fashion and food, mm -hmm. three F's. We're always about two years ahead of us. It always hits us about two years later. Um, huh. You guys seem to be ahead of the curve on on those things. So, like, for example, with Zumba, Zumba would have been with you guys for a good year and a half before it even uh, getting a, yeah. even any sort of traction over here. Um, and uh, with fashion, it's, just, it's the same sort of thing. Although fashion seems to have gone like weird recently. <laughs> um like stuff no, that <laughs> stuff stuff that i i remember being called by uh my friend anana which i, I always laughed at her name because it sounded like banana but um she she called me metrosexual when okay. i was working with her and i was like what are you talking about she was like well you you dress like a gay man I was like, this is how everybody dresses over here like in the uk yeah. So, so we dress like I don't work, like I can't. If I was to walk around at the at the time, so this would be in like early two thousands, with massive mm -hmm. baggy jeans on and some Jordans, yeah. I get I get beat up over here for that because it's like <laughs> first off, you're not black, so chill yeah. your jeans out a little bit, and yeah. yeah so, so yeah, but it seems to have gone the other way now, like with the whole skinny jeans things uh, and everything. Like, um, I remember, do, do you ever listen to The Fighter and the Kid with Brendan Sharp? Uh-uh, I don't. No? Well, he's an ex-UFC fighter, but he dresses, he's an ex-UFC heavyweight. But he, okay. dress, he dresses like a small guy. So he wears the skinny jeans and the, he, he always gets the latest uh, trainers. And mm -hmm. I think I caught it. He was on Instagram the other day. He had, he had like a, a beanie that was just on the back of his head. Um, and I, anyway, yeah. I, I, I digress a little bit. I, I was looking at him thinking, that was me in early 2000s going over to America and people saying I was metrosexual. That's the norm now. That's yeah. what everybody's wearing. Yeah. Except what I will say is anybody that's ever done a squat is going to struggle with skinny jeans. That's I true. Bought, I bought a pair once and I did a lunge in my kitchen and I ripped them from the back of my knee right up to my ass. It literally yeah. a pair of like 120 quid uh, Levi's, and I was like, "Well, that was a complete waste of time and money <laughs> ruined." You just but, have to get the stretchy ones now. Now they yeah, make stretchy jeans. I've, I've heard that. I still, I, I don't know. There's something about skinny jeans. It's a bit. I, I actually, I meant to bring this up with Michael. I've seen him wearing leggings a few times in pictures. Uh huh. Yeah. You don't like the leggings? D not on dudes. You know, it was really interesting because Michael started wearing tights and 
it was kind of like he'd get weird stares and then everyone was wearing tights. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Everyone kind of wears tights here in the US now. Yeah, my one of my best mates, um, Webby, he's what's he? He's got to be about six four plus, massive, sort of over a hundred mm-hmm. kilos. Um, yeah, and he he's rocked up a few times in my gym in a pair of tights and a, and a vest of all things. But yeah, that's just not. Well, if you look through my Instagram, you'll see a picture. There was a brilliant picture I actually got of it. He just nailed a lift. And he was clapping his hands and there was dust going everywhere and I managed to capture it. And then yeah. I realized that he had a pair of shorts and tights on. So <laughs> I, I just lit, literally the post on Instagram was, this was an amazing photo until I noticed the tights. Uh, and just put caption, caption this and he just got ripped. People were just nailing him on in the comments. It, it must be tough being a guy because I, I feel like guys are so much more judgmental than women. Like, if you look good in whatever you're wearing, it's okay. I feel like. Yeah. I've, or maybe um, that's just in my head. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, uh, right. So the, the reason I called this podcast Obsessive Conversive. Yeah. Is my, my brain fires in like a, in a weird way. Like if I see somebody wearing um, like a long sleeve t-shirt and shorts, like immediately my, my brain's screaming like that's not, that's not right. Like you're either hot or you're cold, like choose. And, yeah. But the funny thing about that is, is that I, the more like I've spoke to my brother on his podcast and uh, mm-hmm. here as well, I'm a contradiction to that myself. Because like right now I've got some sliders on, a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, and I've got a hoodie on. Like if I yeah, saw like somebody, that. but if I saw somebody else wearing it, not that I'm judging them. It's just immediately my brain's like, no, that's not right. That's how it fires. I can talk myself around. It's just uh, my immediate thought is always like, what the fuck is going on here? That's funny. My, so, I, when I, I was, yeah, carry on, carry on, carry on. Oh, I was going to say when I lived in London, I, it was just such strange weather there compared to what we're used to. And for a while I was wearing shorts with like boots mm-hmm. and Michael looks like, you look like, Indiana Jones, but like porn star. Version. <laughs> I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny over here. Um, I'm not sure if it, like, the, the conspiracy theorist in me would say that it is a direct result, but because of the lockdown and stuff, this year we've had mm-hmm. seasons, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that is a direct correlation to the fact that there was less cars about, etc. So the the weather could just do its thing. But we actually had. Oh, weird like a blinding spring stroke summer. It was so hot over here. And huh. like now it's fucking freezing again, which yeah. the short brown guy doesn't get on with very well in the morning. Like I have to coax myself into enjoying winter. Yeah. I don't, like every part of it, like just going outside and it's just being freezing. I'm just like, no, oh, this is shit. Where's the sun gone? Yeah. But I suppose where you are, you actually, you have seasons all the time, don't you? Because in Utah, don't you have like a real, yeah. in, the, in the mountains, you have all the snow in the winter. And then it's, don't you, do you, do you have desert? I think, I'm sure you have desert. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're high desert. Um, Utah's very interesting. We have Southern Utah, which is about four, three hours away from Salt Lake. And it's 
like the Red Rock, like Zion mm-hmm. National Park is there, Arches are, is there, um, and sometimes it snows, but in Salt Lake, we have all the ski resorts, so it's a very interesting blend, um, but in Salt Lake City, we have seasons, we have four seasons, yeah. um, and it's not unusual to get six feet of snow where we live. It's it's a lot of snow, and then in the summer, it's really hot. We get not as hot as like Las Vegas weather, not um, mm-hmm. Arizona weather, but it's pretty hot. It's you know definitely desert weather. I think I think I I'd get better. I I'd be I'd be more accommodating to the winter. I mean, you spent a winter in the UK, didn't you? So you know. Um, we left in November, so. Right before so just, just getting into winter over here then. So I had I had friends cold. come over from um I think the the one person that commented the most was from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And she was like, like it gets cold and we get snow. Yeah. This like the wind is cold. And that's what we have over here. It's just like at the moment you go outside and just a slight breeze and it's like that's cutting through my coat. Right? Yeah. Freezing to my bones and, and damp, yeah. yeah, yeah, fucking damp all the time. Gray, <laughs> it would just be yeah. nice, it would be nice to go from like you get to autumn or fall mm-hmm. and you get all the nice colors. It'd be nice over here if it just went right, it's snowing now because at least you know where you stand. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. you know. I think it's nice as a chef to have rotating seasons. Um, because I think it brings more inspiration in to your cooking and your food. And, um, you know, obviously you can do more salads and fruit dishes in the summer and Mm -hmm. more like soups and roasts in the winter. Um, I don't think I could live in like Miami where it's just kind of this weird, like middle ground all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't do it. I don't, I don't think I could do my profession there. If that makes sense, it does make it does make sense, yeah. Because um, I've always thought for the longest time that I'd like to um, live in Malta, which is just below Italy. Uh-huh. Um, and to an extent, they do have seasons over there, but like the the summer is well, it's as close to Italy as it is the Sahara Desert. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right smack bang in the middle, and I was like, oh, it's brilliant just eat Mediterranean food all year round. But I, th- yeah. I guess after, after a while, that would just be like, so boring. It's just, it yeah. is, I, I do agree with you. It is nice. Like, um, when you, when you get to the stage where you're starting to slow cook things, um, and having mm-hmm. a nice like casserole or stew or something, when you get home after a, you've walked home from work or whatever, and it's freezing cold outside and you have that comfort food. Whereas, yeah. like you say, like in the summer, it's it's amazing when you get something as simple as just just some chicken salad and you squeeze some lemon over it and it tastes like summer. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Sure. Oh, I suppose lamb and stuff in the in in the spring, and then obviously your Christmas dinners and stuff in the in the winter. Um, we do a lot of lamb. <clears throat> I like. We do lamb. a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah, you've been. Um, uh, are you doing the carnivore diet now or are you um, just are you just come up with recipes to sort of help people out so i actually was approached by a woman named vivica menengues and she she got um 
an offer to write a book from a big publisher here in the United States. And, you know, she went, she went on a podcast, the nonprofit podcast with Mark and Michael. And Mm -hmm. she's like, you know, I just don't know. She's written like three books. I don't think she was super motivated to get started with this book because, um, I believe the publisher had asked her to write a carnivore book and she's, she's pretty big name in the keto world. She was one of the original, you know, health practitioners that came out and um, really started to pump out real content on, on ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. And um, she's actually from Italy. And um, Michael said, well, why don't you ask Erin to help? Like she'd probably love to help with the, with the book and she's obviously a good chef she has experience that's just so different from your experience it might be a good collective and um so we talked a little bit and i decided to come on and help her co-author this book and it was tough to get started because i was not carnivore i hadn't eaten carnivore before um I've done keto diet, I've done paleo, I've done, you know, I've done everything, but I have not done carnivore. And the cool thing is, is um, Josh Goldstein, who's, you know, a constant visitor here at our space. He's from LA. Um, He comes out, he's been on nonprofit podcast a couple of times. He was like a longtime advocate of carnivore diet. And then also Keegan, one of the coaches at um, mm-hmm. well, the head coach at our gym had been doing carnivore diet for a very long time. And so I had all of these influences quite close to me that I could kind of ping off of for information. And so I started writing it. I'm like, okay, well, I know how to cook meat pretty well. Like maybe this, maybe this cookbook could be, you know, really good for not only people that are eating carnivore, but people that just like meat in general. Well, so I'll just put in some really good recipes on meat. And then we got into the written section and I didn't feel comfortable writing anything because I, like I have this huge background in sports and multiple, multiple sports, um, and actual like hands-on applications. Like I've competed in, in quite a few sports now and I know exactly how I feel running on low carb and running on high carb and competing in CrossFit on low fat and, you know, pulling back fat and adding carbs. Like I know all of those numbers. I've, I've been my own Guinea pig for over a decade. I even know how I feel eating vegan. I've been vegan for, I was vegan for a decade. Um, But I didn't know how carnivore felt. And so I, I got into sports performance on carnivore diet and I thought I just have to do this like I can't do any more interviews like it means nothing to me and I need to know how it feels so I can write about it and so I started carnivore diet and I I felt surprisingly satiated which I didn't think would happen I'm like a big food volume person like my psychology needs a lot of food um and it just worked um I felt really good like the first thing I noticed was emotionally, I felt really good. Like Rogan, I didn't Rogan says and, the same thing. Yeah. I didn't feel like I had these ups and downs with my emotional state. Like I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel stressed. Um, I just felt very even. And so I stuck with it for we, Michael and I were going to do it for like a month. And then 
we're like, well, we feel so good. We're going to do it for two months. And like, we ended up doing it for like seven months, very strict. And we've just recently started adding back a little bit more. Um, but the one thing that I noticed is my top end wasn't there. So I'd go into the gym and like, you know, again, I'd be competitive with myself and I just couldn't breathe. Like I would get on the assault bike and I'd, I know my numbers. I know what I can hit per minute. I know exactly what wattage I can hit. I know my maxes. I know my 10 minute tests. And I couldn't even come close to those. Like even once I really adapted to the diet, um, the things that I was doing were just so glycogen dependent that I played around a couple different ways. And I talk about it in my book. Um, one of the things that made me feel a little bit better was replacing the carbohydrate uh, numbers that I was eating um, previously with protein numbers. And so I was eating so much protein, I pulled my fat down a little bit, not a ton, but just to get the calories in, I was pretty much, you know, bumping my protein up to like 250 a day. And then that helped a little bit, you know, I was able to pull a little bit of energy out of that. Um, still not the same as a carbohydrate, but it, it was a good way to kind of like get through some intensity. And then um, later in the process, because I do have a whole section in my new book about adding in berries and honey, I did add it back in berries and honey, and it felt like jet fuel, like 20 grams of carbohydrates a day rather than like seven from dairy felt like amazing. So it was a really interesting process to go through. And I feel like it healed quite a bit, like it healed a, a lot of gut issues that I was having and hormonal issues that I was having. Um, and, you know, it just kind of put me in touch with so many other companies that, that I work with now, um, like Traeger Grills, which is awesome. Yeah, um, I had a Traeger. You know, yeah, they're freaking awesome. Like talk about a killer steak mm -hmm. or a killer burger. Um, and then one of the other companies that I kind of dove head first in with is Ancestral Supplements. I don't know if you've seen them on. I haven't. No. Um, so one of the big things about carnivore diet is organ meat. Like everyone in carnivore yeah. diet, or like all of the doctors that talk about carnivore diet are really big um, proponents of organ meat. And I just, I have a hard time eating organ meat like it's not super palatable for me and mm -hmm. you know i know like liver and onions is big in the uk but well it it was at one at one yeah. point but um like it's funny that you should say that because i literally okay. had this conversation the other day i was like i think i should try it again because i haven't tried liver and onions yeah since god i must have been 15 the last time okay. haven't, haven't tried it haven't even contemplated it but it can't be that bad it might like when I, when I think about it, it can't be as bad as I remember it because there's lots yeah. of things when I was a kid that I tried like mushrooms for example I couldn't <laughs> eat I, no but I could when I was a kid I couldn't eat them and yeah. uh, eggs like, I couldn't have oh, really? eggs I, I, I just couldn't yeah. Up, up until I was about, again, probably about 15. And all of a sudden, I eat eggs all the time now. That is probably the most consistent thing that I eat. Yeah. But yeah. Until, until I hit a certain age. So I was thinking, like, look, I don't mind pate. It's all right. I'm not one of these people who, 
Some people love it, some people hate it. So I mean, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle somewhere. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try it. It's not the end of the world. Um, and I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've eaten snails and all sorts in um, San Sebastian in Spain. Yeah. I ate some snails and and garlic. It was it was not the worst thing I've ever eaten. Funnily enough, yeah. it was fine. It's more like <laughs> the texture, right? Yeah, I'd I'd say if I was if I was in a, a restaurant, I probably wouldn't order the escargot. No. But when it came down to it, it was like, oh, we're going to try this. I was like, all right, try it. Yeah. I've, eat, I've eaten worse things. It, it wasn't it wasn't the worst. But yeah, liver. There's got to be a better way of cooking it than I had it though. I'll tell you a better way. I just started to take it through a capsule. <laughs> <laughs> so that's ah, the company. I know. I'm like, I found a way. So the company that I was talking about, um, and I did put a couple uh, organ meat recipes in. Like I've had heart before, and it's pretty good, but. It's, it's not like the easiest thing to come by unless you have a friend that hunts, which I do. And so every once in a while I get heart or there's a couple of companies. You can get it over here. You get it in the, like in a supermarket, they'll do like lamb's heart. Yeah, Um, that's awesome. Um, I haven't seen it. Maybe if you go to a butcher or a specialty shop, but I know it's not like in every store all the time. mm -hmm. Um, But I just started taking supplement form and uh, through ancestral supplements and they have a bunch of different ones. And I found that the nutritional value from organ meat, like every single day, um, has changed like my gut biome. It's changed my hormonal profile. Like I feel more balanced. And in fact, um, I was on a thyroid medication that I was taking and I've, I've been on it for, you know, a long, a decade. And, um, I've, I've had to take less of my thyroid medication over the past couple months. And I don't know if that's related to taking the organ meat and pulling the nutrition from the organ meat or the carnivore diet in general. I'm not sure. Um, Mm -hmm. but my blood work, my blood work came back and I had not like I was really, really imbalanced before, but a lot of my numbers had balanced out in a good way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I can't remember if it was somebody on Don Profit or if it was on Rogan, but so, somebody was literally talking. They might have been talking about the same supplement company. Yeah, because they, um, they, they, they would. The discussion was that it was Rogan, because Rogan said the next time he goes hunting, he mm-hmm. wants he wants to try, because a lot of the Native American tribes would. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently it's tribes all over the world. They, they consider the liver to be sacred. Mm-hmm. So, and it apparently even goes down to wolves. The alpha, yeah. the alpha wolf eats the liver. Um, yeah. and Rogan was saying that he wants to try eating, uh, the liver, but seasoning it with the bile out of the animal <laughs> and, and eating yeah. it raw. Great. I, uh, <laughs> I I love Rogan, but there's some of the things yeah. he comes out with. I'm like, I don't think I could go that far. It's It's got to be good for you, right? Um, when we were shooting our cookbook, one of the recipes that Vivica had was liver ceviche. And I didn't, 
there's a couple recipes I did with organ meat, but most of it was like ground organ meat and meatballs, mm -hmm. which is, is, is pretty good. Um, she did a liver ceviche and I actually didn't try it, but I plated it because we did, we decided to do all the photography here at nonprofit. So mm -hmm. we hired a photographer to come in and shoot here, which was. You hired a photographer. I your, know. Your husband and Mark in the same building and you hired a photographer. You know what? I, I don't think I could have gotten either of them to do this. I mean, I think they would if I was like, please, Mark, will you do that? Like I could give him puppy dog eyes maybe mm -hmm. and he, he would end up doing it for me in a pinch. But um, I, I, sometimes I don't like pulling them away from their other projects that they're working on. Yeah, I And they were fairly busy at the time. And so it's not like they wouldn't do it if I didn't have an option. And obviously I'd, you know, I'd love to use them first. Um, but I used a photographer. He's actually a good friend of Mark's. His name is Mike Thurk. He's on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did a beautiful job. So, um, but I was plating that liver and at one point, um, you know, it was the middle of summer when we were shooting. And so we didn't keep all the food. We just plated small portions of it. And then some of it we threw away. Well, I had thrown away the liver and because we actually had to reshoot that one a couple times. We couldn't get like the shine correct for the mm -hmm. photo. So I was throwing away these chunks of liver and Mark's dog got in the garbage can and she got this liver and she like rolled in it. And so all over the kitchen here was liver and it was all over sparkle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst. I feel like that's not the first thing you want like to clean up during the day is like mm -hmm. dog liver all over. <laughs> it was awful, but yeah, she, she has a couple good recipes. Um, but again, I'm just not a huge fan of organ meat. I, I'm sure it's done well and I'm sure I would like it if it was done well. I just, I, I don't love it. It's not something that I would make at my home. Like for myself. It's something that we have over here, like a steak and kidney pie. <clears throat> Ugh. Well, I don't know. I haven't tried it. Maybe I would love it's, it. It's just, it's just meat, meat yeah. and gravy in a pie. It's, it is what it is. It, but put it in a pie. I'll eat anything in a pie. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> that is one of my favorite pies to order. If if I'm gonna have really a pie, yeah, either that or like steak and ale, steak and ale pie. I like that. You know. I, I didn't try a lot of stuff like that when I was in London. So this is why you think our food shit, because you don't get to try the actual stuff we're good at. I, you're right. You're right. Um, so when we lived in London, I was fairly careful with my diet, even though I was training so much, just because, well, one, I was actually an um, I was an Amazonian, so I got casted to be I, in Justice gonna, League. I was going to bring so, that up. Yeah, so I needed to kind of look fairly good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but also, uh, every time Michael's on a job, and like, <clears throat> I'm sure Mark thinks about this too, but he's fairly, he's fairly cautious about his diet all the time. Um, we do like to practice what we preach and usually do yeah. some somewhat of the diet with our clients just because we need to know what kind of headspace they're in. And so I didn't go off the deep end and eat a lot of delicious things that I could have just for yeah. that reason. Yeah. <laughs> so.
so but that's um that's good though that you do sort of practice what you preach because absolutely at least at least you could say well i'm doing it so yeah if i can do it and i'm not getting paid what you're getting paid <laughs> right. you can fucking do it <laughs> yeah so um did i say have you got lambert there um, he's not in the room with me, but he was I here. Did, I did see him earlier. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Um, <laughs> yeah, because well, as as you may or may not have seen on Instagram, my um my dog Jack, he has been a fucking nightmare recently. Can't put my oh, finger no. on on what it is. He's either super cute, and bear in mind that he is. Well, what's he weigh? He weighs about thirty five, forty kilos. So he's a big, okay, big dog. He's a big old boy. Um, yeah. He's a Alaskan Malamute. Oh, and okay. Beautiful dog. He he will. Like I, I can tell when he's gonna play up. His ears, which usually are like just on the top of his head, like this all the time. Uh huh. Two triangles on top of his head. They all they seem to disappear, and you're like, Jack's got it fucking on him now, and he. <laughs> It might be the time of year. I don't know. I don't know if maybe there's a uh, a female dog in heat somewhere around or or anything like that. But you put him out in the garden, which is his favourite place to be. He loves being in the garden. It's nice and mm. cool, cool for him. He lies down. Put him out there, and the next thing he's just howling. He'll, he'll howl nonstop until you let him back in. Then he'll stand by the front door. And you're like, well, you're not going out there. But if you want to go out, you go out. It, 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 literally, if I'm on a day off, that is that is my routine. Or every time I go get a coffee, he's stood by a door wanting to go out. But as soon as he's out, he wants to come back in. Oh, that's funny. But then in the evenings, he w he literally will come up, put put his whole like massive stupid head on my lap, and it he'll start like creeping up onto the sofa, and he just lies on me then. And he's like the cutest dog in the evenings, and turns turns around. To the daytime, and he's an absolute dickhead again. It, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with it, but, I, but it's time for you to rest. You guys just have your schedules flipped. Yeah, there, but there is also that bit, obviously, because of my job. Sometimes oh. I work until sort of four or five o'clock. Sometimes I'm leaving the house at four or five o'clock. So maybe he just doesn't have the routine in his head because he did spend you the need first. to write it down for him write down your schedule for the dog yeah but he's he's worse when he like again shit my dad does he um because i, I always joke with my dad and say that he's got high functioning autism i uh -huh. don't know if it's institutionalization <laughs> because of being in the forces etc from such a young age or whether genuinely he does have autistic tendencies yeah because my dad he, he will literally get obsessed with things he he once built a computer because he wanted to see how it worked. So he, 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 he had no fucking... That's smart. Yeah, he had no rights building it, but he just... And this was before, well, about the anniversary of the internet. So around about the time the internet started coming out. So he wasn't doing this by Googling. He was yeah. reading books and, and he built a computer. That's um, awesome. It is awesome, but then you have to take into account that he was doing this from like nine o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the morning. Did the computer ever work yeah. again? Yeah, yeah, it worked fine. It, and, but he oh, built it from scratch, okay. from complete scratch. Um, but so he comes back from, because he works in London, so he comes back from London 
-hmm. and then he will get into his autistic schedule which is he'll get up he'll have his breakfast and then he'll take my two dogs for a walk mm -hmm. at nine o'clock every morning even though i've told him countless times listen dad that you can't jack doesn't work well by you doing that because if i then have to go to work for nine o'clock he's thrown out and then he doesn't behave so, yeah but my dad being the autistic person that he is will go yeah okay and still do it anyway so so I'll, I'll work a night shift the night before and i'll hear sort of come on then look you hear the door go and you're like look at my watch it's three minutes past nine right he's, he's taken jack out for a walk so then jack then every time you see him at roughly a coffee o'clock in the morning is stood by the yeah. door tilting his uh, head say come on come on let's go it's like i can't i'm gonna go to work i think it's the breed like they i think they really want to be outside now mm -hmm. we do. our dog kind of wants to be wherever we are if we say let's go for a walk like he just lamb bear will just be right by the door and he'll be super he'll start doing like 360s yeah it's really weird but you know he kind of just wants to be wherever we are what breed is he He's an Australian Shepherd. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he's a little guy. So he's a mini. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's not a big, big dog by any means. He's, he? like, he's like 14 kg, mm -hmm. 34 pounds. Yeah. So he's probably <laughs> the same size as Jack's head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. Because what? Yeah, what's Sp Sparkle yeah. and Akita. Mm hmm. Mark loves Akitas, doesn't he? He's got like yeah. some sort of affiliation yeah. with the breed. Well, he's yeah. had quite – I have two. I've only owned Australian Shepherds. So I think you get loving a breed, and that's kind of all you want. So, mm -hmm. yeah, he has a Nikita. I'd, I'd definitely have Malamutes again mm -hmm. if I had a farm. Because yeah. I'm sure Akitas are the same, but they do the, the bi-yearly blowing where their entire mm -hmm. undercoat comes off and it takes – should happen twice a year, but it seems like it just happens for the entire year. Right. I've, I've been through, I think, I think I counted, it was eight hoovers. So eight vacuums oh I've gone gosh. through. Since yeah. I've had Jack, because he just destroys them with his fur. Um, and I would definitely have them. And I probably, next time I'd have two minimum. Yeah. But I'm probably more inclined to go, because my, my other dog, Jerry, is a Springer cross with a collie. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd probably more likely go go back to maybe some Cocker Spaniels or, yeah, probably more Cocker Spaniels than Springers, Springers and Nuts. I, I think you really have to research a breed before you get a dog. I mean, we, we were looking at a blue healer before mm -hmm. um, and we just, we found our dog and just loved him and I'm glad we did because that's the breed that I have always had and I love and they're smart and they're easy to train um but some people just don't research their breed and I maybe they're adopting you know a dog who they don't know the breed and I think that that's great too but you have to know the personality and and what yeah. to expect a little bit Sparkle's a good dog um I don't know if I would get an Akita I don't know if it matches my personality but I get along really well with Sparkle she's a good mm -hmm. one um, but she's beautiful. also had lots of training. Oh yeah, she's beautiful. But she walks through the gym, and you definitely know exactly where she was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jack's very much like that. 
as well. Um, the, the only the only thing that's happened with Jack as he's got a bit older is he uh -huh. really, really, really has a. You say about researching the personalities. I don't know if this is a Malamute personality or if I've rubbed off on him. Mm -hmm. He's got a real disdain for other dogs. Or dogs oh, really? Doesn't know. And a couple of times it's it's happened when he's been on the lead and we've walked past another dog and I've gone, oh, right, you are that close to a wolf. Okay, I get it. Yeah. That was terrifying. Like, the gums go back, the teeth come forward, everything. It's like, shit. Were you the same dog that was cuddling me on the sofa? Yeah. But, um, yeah, he... Um, but that's a, it's only as he's got older. When he was younger, all he wanted to do was play with everybody. Didn't care if it was yeah. a human, a cat. Didn't care. He'd play with anything that was moving. Now, yeah. he's, if he's, it, it tends to be Labradors. He, do, he doesn't seem to like Labradors very much, which is crazy because Labradors are lovely. It's racist, it's racist for Labradors. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, he, yeah, he just gets so, he gets so angry. And it's like, oh. And then you walk off and he's, he's fine again. He's like, oh. Where are we going now then, Dad? So, what the fuck was that? He's pretty friendly. I mean, sometimes he'll have an issue with the other dogs in his space or other dogs with his things, but he's a pretty, um, he's pretty mellow. I mean, he's done a lot of training because we've had to certify him so that he can fly with us and come do mm -hmm. jobs with us. So it's kind of a world traveler in that aspect. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, yeah, he has to be a good boy or else he doesn't get to come. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, my my boss, when I worked in New York, she the one year she flew her dog over. And it was really, mm -hmm. That was really odd because she was from upstate New York. She married a guy that worked in the same camp that I worked at. Mm -hmm. Moved to Germany. Got a dog. Moved back for the summer to run run the camp and brought the dog and the dog only listened to German commands. Oh, perfect. So we, we had to learn German commands for the dog. It was... It oh, was yeah. I, military still trains, I believe, they still train dogs in German. Oh, like, really? There's a lot of dog commands that are still in German. Yeah. Um, I prefer to speak English so that if I were to get stressed, I don't like forget my English as well as I would probably forget German. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, we um, have a friend, his dog, um, his dog speaks Hungarian. <laughs> so he just, he trains his dog in Hungarian. He knows Hungarian, but he'll like yell at his dog in Hungarian and we're like, gosh, that sounds really brutal. And he's like, no, it's just Hungarian. Well, I've got a Hungarian friend actually. Um, his name's Igor, of all names. Yeah. That couldn't be no, more, really. more sort of Central Europe. Could it, Igor? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm actually Hungarian. My, uh huh. My grandpa moved here when he was 13, uh, 14. Whoa. Whoa. That is sparkle. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, um, I'm Hungarian second generation. Ah. That's cool. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm um, Hungarian and Austrian. So, interesting. But um, last year, um, we went through um, Hungary and Romania and Poland just mm -hmm. with a client of ours, like places that I would have never, ever, ever traveled. 
in my life and um ended up being a super cool experience yeah yeah there's some really great places around there isn't there oh yeah have you been to like budapest i haven't i um i went to where's that go? bulgaria a few years ago um and i went to riga in latvia mm-hmm. um probably about 10 years ago now that was and it's it, it when I went to Riga, that was a, um, a my, it was my brother's stag do. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I didn't take in a lot of the culture. I did get extremely drunk the whole time, but it was mental. It, like they've still got all the, um, all the Red Army statues and mm-hmm. everything, all still just about in, well, they call it old Riga. Um, yeah, interesting. And I, I've, I'm a real history buff. I love history. Um, yeah. and I have, I have spoke about, I'd, I don't know whether I want to or whether I'd rather not, but I'd really like to go to Auschwitz in Poland, but I also, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to bum me out beyond belief as well. I couldn't put myself to do it. Um, we were close and we definitely could have on this trip, but I don't like, I, I don't know if I was mentally prepared to go. Mm. Um, but Poland was actually really cool. Um, it it wasn't super beautiful. <laughs> the city wasn't. We kind of went in an off time of year. We went um, not this February, but last February. So it was like, dre- I wouldn't say dreary, but kind of dreary and cold. Like the mm. leaves weren't on the trees. Um, it was a, it felt like very gray there, but every single person we met was like so nice. It was really warming. Um, and the food was surprisingly amazing. Like I wasn't expecting that at all from Poland. A lot of smoked so, sausages. I didn't have any sausages. Did you not? At all. I That's, didn't. Well, I've got a very, very good, well, two very good Polish friends and all they talk about sausages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we didn't have any sausages. Um, it, we went to a Turkish restaurant, which was phenomenal. Um, it, it was a recommendation from someone that we met. And so we went, Michael and I and our um, client and friend that we were traveling with at the time, Kenton, uh, went over to this Turkish restaurant, like super late at night, and they didn't have a table open. We didn't make a reservation. And they're like, well, just stay here. We're going to make a table out of stuff in the kitchen. Like, so, so they did. They set up a nice table for us. We're like, wow, that was weird. Um, and it was, it was so weird. Like, the owner of the restaurant came out, and he's like, I know you from Instagram. I'm like, what in the hell? It was really, really <laughs> weird. Um, but it ended up being, like, the best Turkish food I've ever had. It was so good. Um, in Warsaw which was mm-hmm. just super strange. Um, yeah. Uh, and then hunger, like everything we ate in Hungary was good. Mm-hmm. Like just surprisingly goulash. good. Goulash? Uh, we had a little bit of goulash. Yes. Um, we ate at a couple places that our friend had eaten from. Um, he was over there on a mission actually. So when he was really young, um, 19 years old, went over there and, so he wanted to touch on a couple restaurants that were like super traditional Hungarian mm-hmm. and it was 
it was good. I liked Hungarian food. Like all of the food that we ate over there was amazing. I've got an amazing Hungarian cookbook bought for me oh, really? by my another Hungarian friend, which I forgot about, which is uh, Robbie. Uh, I trained mm -hmm. him. To, he he ran over Mont Blanc. Mm -hmm. So he had to run over it and then back again. Uh, I trained him a few years ago for that. And when he came back, he bought me this um, Hungarian cookbook. Which, oh, cool. To be fair, I haven't used. But I will. <laughs> I will because I feel like a lot of Hungarian food suits this time of year. That's where, my, that's where my head is anyway. Like a goulash and I can't, a lot of paprika. Yeah. Um, it's, it's heavy. I, I guess you can get lighter food, but it is, it's fairly heavy, but so good. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. Um, didn't have a ton of good food in Romania, um, but that's okay. It was whatever. We, we actually drove from, um, we drove from this little mountain town. I don't know if I'm saying it right in Poland called, uh, Lud, it's spelled L-O-D-Z, Ludz. Mm -hmm. um, we drove from there to this other ski resort in Romania and we had to cross the border and it was so scary. They just like took everyone out of the car, separated us, questioned us. And I'm like, oh God, we're going to die. Like they're going <laughs> to just kill Michael. And it turned out the guy that we were with spoke Romanian. And then they had just like the best conversation. And Michael and I are like standing outside in the dark like expecting someone to just get shot at any second mm -hmm. and they're like oh yeah come back through let us know when you're coming back we'll come and have lunch with you we're like what in the hell it was <laughs> such a weird experience but didn't really have we, we just had very plain food when we we're in Romania so I can't can't really tell you anything great that we ate over there but what an interesting part of the world that I would have never like plan to travel on my own mm -hmm. but it was surprisingly cool um how did you find the food in bulgaria <laughs> um to be honest where where i stayed mm -hmm. wasn't a great deal of traditional food so i always like to try um the, the more local foods but it was it was just it was really really strange because where, where I stayed, mm -hmm. it took forever to get to, and you know, we literally went through three towns that were deserted. There was nothing there. There was literally yeah. fucking nothing apart from you'd see some dogs. Yeah. Where the hell those dogs are getting food from? I've got no idea. So I ended just up eating people. <laughs> yeah, the people that were used to live in that yeah. town. Um, but yeah, there was not. I always like to have a little wonder. Like when I when I was in Greece, I met up with a, a local bar owner, and I'd go mm -hmm. and visit him for rather than go to the hotel, um, coffee and breakfast. I'd go and see him, and he'd just mm -hmm. get some bread and some olive oil, and we'd sit there and have a coffee. Um, and I much prefer that to um, to the hotel breakfast. But for some reason, I got it in my head. We were sort of told, "Don't go." outside of the resort for anything so it was all just like the the hotel food really oh. other, than, other than when we were on the beach um you'd get a guy walking around selling sweet corn i can't 
I, I genuinely couldn't tell you. Then I had some muscles when I was there. They were nice, but I honestly couldn't tell you any Bulgarian food that I, that I yep. ate when I was there. And that's the only time, actually, that I've ever travelled anywhere and not had so... That's, fu that's fucking mental. <laughs> I hadn't actually thought about that. I haven't... I couldn't tell you a Bulgarian dish. Um, Bulgarian food is... I don't know. I, it's super strange food. Um, I can't think of like a traditional Bulgarian. We just had like fish when we were there, a little bit of fish. Um, and then we had Indian food. But when I went to visit Mark and Michael in Bulgaria, um, we all got so sick. Like everyone in the production got sick at the same time. I don't know if it was something that was going on. I think it was um, I think it was a parasite of some sort mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times you'll travel somewhere and there'll be like a local mineral in the soil that you eat and your body's not used to it. Like that happened to me in Hawaii and I found mm -hmm. out that it was just some locally grown, you know, vegetables that I'd eaten with this weird mineral in the soil that I wasn't used to. But we all got so sick. I, I think I blacked out for like a week. And so I can't tell you. And then after that, I was like, I'm just having like a little bit of rice and a little bit of like yogurt and bread. Like that's kind of all I ate for the rest of the trip. I was so sick. Um, and I think I got sick off of fish. So that kind of ruined like mm -hmm. every option for anything else that whole entire trip. So. It's a shame when that happens, isn't it? I remember one year that I went to Malta to, with my parents and I'd eaten something and it just, it just fucking knocked me sideways for the rest mm -hmm. of the holiday. Like I, I remember going and ordering some, some pasta with um, like a stilted and broccoli sauce. Mm -hmm. Sound of it was amazing. As soon as it was in front of me, I was like, can't eat it. I yeah. Eat that. And that was for the rest of my holiday. <laughs> it was awful. What would you say is it a staple American dish well i just bought is it jambalaya i just bought a load of jambalaya spices that's sort of cajun mm -hmm. isn't it yeah it's kind of that's cajun pretty pretty cajun middle uh you know south south of the states um mm -hmm. i wouldn't say jambalaya is something that i would ever make but my dad makes a good jambalaya um staple food that's american like traditional it's american a, it's not like hamburgers or hot dogs and stuff like that obviously just like a a I, meal I think that that's like pretty standard is like hamburgers cheeseburger mm -hmm. um i'm trying to think of like obviously the u.s is so big like we have traditional foods from like different, all of, different all states over. yeah so what about in utah then what would be a a typical thing from Utah. Say I was going to come and visit you and Michael. Yeah. What would be, like, you don't necessarily have to cook it yourself, but we're going to go somewhere and it's going to be an introduction to Utah for me. Well, we have a lot of big game here, so mm -hmm. probably, you know, elk burger or something like that, but nice. traditional. Um, and this is kind of like a Western States thing and it's so gross and so ghetto. Um, we have what's called chicken steak <laughs> and my grandma used to make it and she's, 
not even from Utah. I don't know why she made it maybe because it's inexpensive and she had tons of kids, but it's, um, it's like pounded chicken and then breaded Mm -hmm. and then like fried in a pan. And it's, it's fairly good. It just seems very processed to me. It's like nothing that I would make at home, Mm -hmm. but I think that that's traditional, like early Utah, Idaho food. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I think just like steak and potatoes is very like traditional here. <laughs> nice. That's that's never a bad idea ever. Steak and potatoes. Corn dogs. Corn, corn dogs. dogs. <laughs> I never got on board with corn dogs. I don't yeah, mind they're so dog. disgusting. No, actually, I lied. They're really good. Um, you know, and you can definitely make like a pork belly fried corn dog. So it doesn't yeah. have a hot it's like pork belly and you fry it and you dip it in corn batter super good um yeah i I don't know Uh, michael and i have this weird thing where no matter where we are in the world we just get thai food Mm -hmm. like we can be spain or you know bulgaria or hungary or like any weird place in the world and we're like well you're probably somewhat safe with thai food and so we usually always find a thai restaurant and eat thai yeah, I could, I could get on board with that. Like yeah. a, to, a tom yum soup. Oh yeah, so good. I made the made the mistake a few times of asking for it Thai spicy though. Oh yeah, yeah. that'll ruin your day. I I can <laughs> I can take a lot of spice. Like I said, I grew up working in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm okay with spice, but when you go Thai spicy, it's different no. level. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can't even taste anything after the first two sips of the soup the rest of it is just it's an endurance event then and you're just trying to get through it to say you so you yeah. can't say that you you couldn't finish it yeah i love thai food that's thai food's my fa- probably close to one of my favorites mm-hmm. so, yeah they don't use chopsticks either that's weird yeah why use chopsticks when you can use a fork actually i think they use their hands it's uh, a lot of food, food stuff but mm-hmm. yeah Use a fork. I d- I'm, uh, even my daughter's on the chopstick train now, though. Like, even if she, because she's getting to the age she can, she can start cooking, but it might be that um, potentially I'm not finishing work right about the time. And she plays, um, she plays soccer quite competitively. Um, okay. So she might, even though it's not ideal, but she might make herself some sort of um, like instant noodles or something just so she's had something to eat before. She gets um gets on, and she started using chopsticks for those now, which is um my again my dad he's he's incredibly happy with that because he um he grew up he grew up in Malta and Malaysia, so he's always he's always been able to use chopsticks since he was a kid. Yeah. It took me a while to master him. My brother can't use them, um, but his granddaughter can, so he's he's quite chuffed with that. To be fair. When I, growing up, my dad's, one of his best friends was Vietnamese and his family owned a Vietnamese restaurant. And so ever since I was little, my favorite food was Vietnamese food and I was always mm-hmm. using chopsticks. So I yeah, like it was such a big influence for me. And Korean food as well. I'm, I'm, I actually do really like Asian food. Yeah, me too. There's, there's not much Asian food that I've ever eaten that I've been like, that's disgusting. I do remember though, in the Chinese restaurant where they brought <laughs> chicken feet. 
Yeah. And it was literally like these claws that came out and I was like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I, I can't yeah. even. How do I even eat this? <laughs> and the, the, they were there just chowing down, just pulling the skin off the toes. And I was like, that. Nah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just like, oh, I can't. I don't know what that is. It's like tongue as well. Because I imagine tongue would be really nice. But the fact it was like a cow's tongue at some point, I'm not putting it in my mouth. I just can't. You know, I've had tongue and it's pretty good. It's tender and, you know, you can cook it so many different ways. I've had it like pulled like a roast and it just mm -hmm. tastes like a roast to me. But the thought of making tongue is really rough for me. I pierced my tongue when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and just that like crunching feel it yeah. just makes me cringe. And so it's hard for me to think about eating tongue, but I have had pretty good tongue. We have a tongue recipe in my new cookbook too. Okay. Well, you're gonna have to send me the links to this cause I'll, I'll promote it as much as I can. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, I'll send you a book. Oh yeah, well, it better be signed. Okay, deal. <laughs> deal. Um, I do love a cookbook to be fair. Yeah. Really, and, and I'm I'm actually quite intrigued by the whole carnivore thing. I have never been one for um, a set diet, if you know what I mean. Like I've never been like like you said, you, you you've you've done vegan, you've done carnivore, you've done paleo, but I've never like I just eat what I eat, and I will just restrict certain things in order yeah. to like I know if I if I put on a couple of pounds, I know I therefore restrict certain yeah. things I know for for me personally I can't eat a lot of wheat which is weird considering I work in a burger restaurant now but um yeah. I do I do actually get um like strange like skin I look like a, a leopard if I eat way really? too much or yeah yeah I get weird like uh, light dots all over my it's usually my forearms oh, more you. but it does go down onto my legs and stuff um Funny enough, I, 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 I strip back um, gluten products mm -hmm. and it goes away. Or I behave myself and I have little bits here and there and I never have a recurring problem with it. Um, yeah. Oh, there's sparkle now. <laughs> oh, hi, sparkle. What are you doing? Come here. I don't even know how she got in here. The door's locked. <laughs> I told you, Mark's been training her. <laughs> um, you know, when, like I said, I I had to try carnivore diet so that I felt really good about writing about it. Mm -hmm. But when I work with clients or, you know, if I'm training for something, I follow certain rules, you know, like, and a lot of that is just listening to my body and what I know that I need but I don't really follow like gluten-free or keto or, you know, any kind of diet cult per se. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously if I'm training for CrossFit, I'm doing a lot of like high um, glycolytic um, work during the day. I, I'll obviously be eating more carbohydrates, but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily limited. I usually just, you know, fill out whatever feels good for my stomach. Like mm -hmm. I do really well with rice. I do okay with Same. bread. Um, and so I kind of stick with those. I do okay with fruit, um, and honey. So I, I kind of stick to like very, very simple carbohydrates like that. Um, I usually don't, don't do like pasta. Uh, I'd rather just save my calories for cake if I want cake. Mm -hmm. No, I can understand <laughs> but, that. Though. Yeah. 
so it's more it's more along the lines of like let's feed whatever your physical activity is and then make food enjoyable and in, in between so mm -hmm. no i think um that resonates to my probably one female listener that i have um <laughs> <laughs> well one listener probably but um it would resonate with a lot of people that like i think the decision that a lot of people don't have the ability to make is something as simple it's, it's literally that simple yeah if i have pasta i can't have the cake yeah they, they, that's the biggest thing that they can't <laughs> can't differentiate between it's like it's like if you want you want to get results you have to make a sacrifice somewhere you have to do absolutely going right back to the first minute that we were talking on it you don't just have to eat chicken and broccoli yeah. You can eat all like, sorts of food. Just don't be a fat cunt, basically. You just can't eat all of the foods. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's true. Like, because... I love cheese, so I, you know, pull out a couple of egg yolks so that I can add in cheese. And I Aaron, feel like I Aaron, 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 Aaron. What? As soon as this fucking lockdown and everything is sorted, me, yeah. you, and Michael need to get together. We need to do some training and we need to eat some food because we are literally ticking. We are ticking every, every box for each other here. Like right. you, you love Asian food. You love cheese. <laughs> you love meat. Um, which is like literally, yes, 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 for me. Yeah. <laughs> We've both got, well, all three of us have an affinity for, for training and sweating and hurting for yep. a short period of time and let's refuel with with some nice food and we, we, can sh we can share the cooking as well all right michael uh, and i are really good with sharing desserts so that'll go over well see uh, that's one thing i'm not great with is desserts oh you don't have desserts cheesecake is about as far as i'll go really? i'd rather yeah i'd rather I'd, I'd rather have a starter than a dessert why can't you have both? I, I could have both. What I'm, what I'm saying is that I'd, I'd rather have a nice soup, than, like a, a cake, for example. Doesn't... So in my experience, usually people who don't love sweets do better with high-fat diets. Yeah, and that's, I'm, I do have a high-fat, high-fat, low-carb diet. Yeah, majority of the time. that's interesting. <laughs> ah, psychoanalyst. Brilliant. Well, and like i don't know if that's for every case obviously i mean some people have really good willpower but usually people who crave more like savory over mm -hmm. sweets they usually do really well with higher fats mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's what I've done. i um I carbs. <laughs> see i go through stages of, like every now and again i'll crave but like, i know i need carbohydrates and it'll be like i'm gonna have a bowl of pasta or something like that or some yeah. rice but majority of the time i'd be happy with just i don't know some some meat something like a, a bit of cabbage um well some greens i'm I'm a big fan of green veg but with butter yeah. with butter for all of it ah okay. add, add butter so to all. the carbs that you're mentioning are still you know savory carbs they're not like oh i could really go for a biscuit or yeah yeah you know, a cake or i love that stuff see i don't know if i trained myself that way though because yeah. um i 
I remember research. I did, I listened to a lot of Rob Wolf stuff um, over mm-hmm. the, the whole paleo thing and the um, autoimmune responses, which is what turns out that the the patchy skin is an autoimmune yeah. response. And as soon as I lowered, lowered my gluten intake, which I, I will, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Cause I'll I'll come back to this from a from a restaurant point of view, but. Yeah. Um, and I, said, I pretty much must bring this up every episode as well. But yeah, as soon as I, I limited the gluten and allowed my body to sort of chill itself out, the patches went. I haven't had them since. And I, you know, every now and again, if, if I want to have some cheese and biscuits, I'll have them and I don't get any sort of response unless I overdo it. And, you know, maybe have a sandwich for lunch um, and then have a bowl of pasta in the evening. Then mm-hmm. I feel terrible. I'm a, a, I'm, feel like i'm physically yeah. going to be sick and i am lethargic as can be but i was going to say on the um the restaurant side of it with the the gluten it's like mm-hmm. the amount of people who claim to be gluten intolerant or allergic uh, at the moment and it, do you know what i think it's going to eventually have an adverse effect because chefs are going to stop giving a shit they're just not going to care so the <laughs> the odd person who actually does have an issue with gluten isn't going to be treated with the same delicacy as say somebody with a nut allergy and oh I think, yeah i think for the major for, for the people uh, that sucks because i do think like the amount i get i'll get a burger come through and it'll be a pizza boy so we do a burger that oh gosh, has got them I'll, I'll, I'll send you some photos so it's um so it's a, a semi-brioche bun with some marinara sauce uh some red onion a deep fried breaded mozzarella patty a patty uh, Swiss cheese, American cheese, pepperoni, brioche bun, with some garlic and herb dipping sauce, of course, on the side. Yeah. So they'll order that, and I'll say, do they? Can you check with them? Do they want the mozzarella patty? Obviously, because it's in bread. Yeah. They're fine with that, and you're just like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, if you're allergic yeah. to gluten, you can't have the breaded mozzarella patty. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Oh, you get it all the They're time. Picking and choosing what they want to eat. You we, know, we, get it, we get it with dairy as well. You have somebody with a cheese allergy and you're like, what? But it's a brioche burn. It's got butter in it. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's just, just the cheese. It's like, mm. Butter usually doesn't. I mean, you have to be really intolerant um, to have butter affect you. Like, it usually doesn't affect people the same. But you're right. It's still dairy. Yeah. Um, I Have you tried sourdough bread? Yes. Played around with it. Obviously, I know you've tried sourdough bread, but does it still give you the same effect? No. No? That's no. interesting. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that I don't have it a lot. So it would be yeah. like I, I'd be thinking oh, I'll have some poached eggs on some sour bread toast and um, sourdough, sorry. Um, and it, I don't seem to get the same effect from it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I thought I would miss bread on carnivore diet, but I haven't missed it really at all. Um, I ate a lot of bread when I lived in London. It was so good. And I mm-hmm. realized I do fairly well on bread. Like I'm okay. I, I eat carbs and I do fine with it, but I, you know, I had a semi standard CrossFit diet where my fat was a little bit lower so that I could have carbohydrates to recover. Right. Um, and 
and I was craving sugar constantly. You know, you're always in this insulin cycle. You're spiking your insulin. Mm-hmm. You need, you need it over and over and over again throughout the day. The that is the one thing that I thought that I would crave on carnivore diet, and it like knocked out all my cravings. Like no cravings for sugar whatsoever. Really, it was really. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is yeah. interesting. So, so um, I think it was you. I think I don't know if I heard you say it or whether you wrote it but you I, th- I think it was you it may have just been another it may have just been another female that was in the fitness industry okay. but um about how the female body is slightly different when training at a high level or even i suppose it wouldn't even matter if it was a high level if it's a high level for you personally mm-hmm. um requires slightly different nutrients to a male that and forgive me if I'm wrong and it wasn't you that said this but women tend to do better with um, replacing glycogen when they're training hard is it I think that that is so specific person to person that doesn't necessarily sound like something that I would say only because like I'm a nutrition coach. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't really, every once in a while I'll get a project that intrigues me and I'll take it on, but it's really hard for me to um, take someone on as a client to dedicate my personal time with them in the gym. Like I'd rather just give them to someone else. Like Keegan, he's so good at rewriting people's injuries. Um, I like training people up so that they can compete with me. Right. Um, and I just, I trained a girl to shoot for Playboy. All right. Was, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, we can do this. She looked really, really good. And that we just finished that pro- project. And so now I'm not training anyone at the gym right now. Um, but I do work with people with nutrition because it just like, I'm so interested in it right now. And the cool thing is, is I have this huge pool of people that, I've worked with and I'm constantly bringing new people in to work with and it teaches me so much more about nutrition and what I've realized is no one is the same like not one person recovers the same feels the same needs the same thing as the next person it's insane how different everyone is and so in that sense I I don't know if I would necessarily generalize like females need a different nutrition strategy than men because I think it's everyone needs a different strategy from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So you are contrary to the you are not a beautiful and unique snowflake. Yes, I think that everyone is um, fairly different. Um, I don't know if that's means that they're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, different for sure. I can get on board with it. I, I use that quote because, um, <laughs> apparently a human being is in fact more unique than each snowflake. Um, but I've, I've, I've was on Reddit, I think, and they're saying about that, that a snowflake can actually be, you can get identical snowflakes, snowflakes. whereas humans, the, other than even twins have slight differences. So I think you're correct that, yeah, everybody's nutrition needs to be individually based. Everybody's training needs to be individually based. 
I think I think on the whole you can you can get a staple for you know mm-hmm. obviously if 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 you just eat hamburgers and fries every day you're not going to be putting out the best version of you in a gym that you possibly could mm-hmm. but at the same time if you just did the same tra- if I did the same training as you we're both going to get very different results regardless of how well the program is it's mm-hmm. it's just going to have different results and i think going back to the whole fitness is fuck thing i think that's like i go to it's not a globo gym by any means it's quite an expensive mm-hmm. place to go but it's 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 a fucking stone's throw from what i'm used to training in and what you currently train in mm-hmm. like there's no, nobody's dropping weights and i see some old lady every morning that i go out there just sat down with a broomstick turning from side to side which part of me sits there and goes why are you here but at the same t- at the same time if it's making her feel like she's doing exercise what, what the fuck do i care who cares she's 94 years old <laughs> exactly exactly and she's out of the house and she's going to a gym which is great um yeah but um yeah i think the whole my my biggest issue these days is how uninterested people seem to be in the work that they're doing. Everybody is so quick to be on their phone in between sets or like rather like, I I always had a ban on phones unless they were taking photos of people on their phone. Um, in the gym it was always like as soon as you start this workout that phone unless like I had one guy that was always on call so if his phone went off we knew that he had to go take his, his phone right call. when the workout gets hard <laughs> yeah but other than that it was always like no just, just fucking leave your phone man um, yeah but like you look everywhere in like I've seen people that I know that go to the same gym as me. And it's, it's got a spa there as well with the saunas, which is part of the reason that I like going there. I love a sauna. It's one of my favorite things to do is to go train really hard and then continue the hard training by not allowing myself to get out of the sauna when I think it's time to get out. Like conquering yeah. my, I always call it conquering my inner bitch. Like, no, you don't get out until this becomes physically painful. Then you can get out. Um, but I've seen people in the same gym that I do this in on my Instagram that I'm friends with that have got their friend to take a photo of them getting out of one of the outside pools, a picture of their ass, which then gets 700 likes. And they're going, this is madness. This is madness. That's, that's the one part of the industry that I just, I just can't, I can't get on board with it. I don't, I don't, I feel to, go with the flow. I feel like to a certain extent though, Erin, you, you sort of you embrace that side of it but i almost feel like you're almost flipping the finger to a certain extent at the same time like obviously you're a beautiful woman you've got a cracking body so you're putting that in your photos and and it's it's increasing your social media presence which is important to your job but i also when i read that what you've written you see there's intelligence behind it. It's not just like, look at my body, but it's yeah. also you're using 
the part of fitness that is fucked to your advantage, which is great. That's brilliant. That's something that I could never do because, because A, I'm, I'm a bloke. I think you commented actually on one of my photos once saying, that's really good, Darren, but where's your bikini? Which I thought was fucking brilliant. <laughs> uh, you know, it, I mean, I do have a little bit of a marketing background and sex does sell whether we like it or not. Um, but also, you know, I, I tell people, sometimes people want to come shoot with me. Not all the time, but I get asked sometimes. <clears throat> and I always tell people, if you want to come in and shoot while I'm training, because I'm, I'm not going to model for you. Like, I'm not a model. I, I would be like this, you know. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to do. So if people want to come in and take pictures of me while I'm training <clears throat> or competing, then great. If not, uh, you know, they, they get what they get. I don't really set up shots. Mm -hmm. I mean, every once in a while I do, but I, I don't really set up shots where, you know, I'm not really doing something and that just happens to be a sexy shot. That's, it's hard for me to, to do. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I, I, can, I can fully understand that as well at the same time, because I'm terrible. I'm, I'm okay <clears throat> behind the camera, but I am not okay in front <clears throat> that you will very rarely see a photo of me. And if you do, I look awkward as hell. I literally, I, I don't know what to do yeah. when I'm, when That's it's like, I just, like you, you go to a birthday or something and I smile. Like, I, uh, <laughs> I just don't do yeah. that side. Um, I mean, I'm lucky because I'm surrounded by great photographers that- And you really are, aren't you, to be fair? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that helps. Yeah. So I'm going to start wrapping this up. Yeah. But before I do, I've already ticked off the um, shit my dad does because it's just crazy, okay. insane, <laughs> autistic stuff. So what I like to do, and it, it could be food, it could be, literally be anything. I like to always mm -hmm. get an overrated and underrated. They don't have to correlate. Okay. Uh, they could be anything. Just anything that you think is overrated anything you think is underrated if you i can give you an example of ones we've had before yeah, so um my brother came out with he thinks that the diaz brothers in the ufc are massively overrated which my friend okay. jack jack shaw who fights in the ufc completely contested that um, <laughs> one that i i think is overrated which i don't think you have over in the states but you may yeah is a fish finger sandwich. Okay. So do you have fish fingers? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like fish sticks. Yeah, like fish sticks uh, in bread, breadcrumbs. Yeah. We, we know in the United States that fish don't have fingers, so we yeah. call them fish sticks. It's precisely what, that's one of the reasons why I hate it, and I think it's massively overrated, because a fish finger, okay. which is already in breadcrumbs, should not be in a sandwich. It's... <laughs> it's um, and a, like an underrated would be like sit on food. Um, oh God, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head now. Many examples we had. I can't think, but it could be anything. It could be literally anything. Mm, underrated, overrated having a big back squat or big deadlift. <laughs> right, okay. Overrated. I That's don't overrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, underrated. 
I don't know. What's underrated? I hate a lot of things. <laughs> um, ooh, I can't say that. I don't know. You caught me on a good day. <laughs> so anything that you think is awesome that other people think is, is not great? Mm. Carnivore diet. <laughs> um, uh, and the, the last thing I always try and get people to remember, so is like irrational things that you were scared of as a kid. So, um, peas. 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 No. <laughs> um, something that I love that other people hate, or something that I hate that other people love. No, no. So this is something that you were like when you were a kid. Yeah. You were really scared of. But now you're an adult, you look back and you go, what, why was I scared of that? And what, where did that come from? So. God, I'm more terrified of things now that I did when I was a kid. Um, so for, for example, around the corner from where I grew up, there's a, uh, a church with a cemetery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and we were always told as kids that there's, there's this one um, like headstone, which is like a, an angel sort of looking down on the thing. Yeah. We always told that it, it came alive on certain mm -hmm. times of the year. And the amount of times that we'd have to walk through that graveyard on the way home from school. And I would look at, I, I would peg it. I would run so fast all the way home until I was probably about 14 years old, I'd say. I, really? still, I still probably couldn't walk past that, that statue without being a little bit... Uh, Oh, funny. That's weird. We definitely had a haunted house in our neighborhood when we were little. And that was like the one house that I was like, oh my gosh, like you don't want to go there. You don't want to accidentally have a toy go in that yard. Yeah. And then it was funny later. Um, I re I've like met the person that lived there and they were just like their whole house was um, like their front yard was actually like not the entryway of their house. And so it looked like creepy. There was no door. Their entryway was around the side. And mm -hmm. like, I actually went over there and it was a beautiful home, but it was kind of funny. We had like all of these weird, like made up things when we were little, like, oh, Jehovah's Witnesses live there and they're super strange and it's haunted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's why I like bringing it up with like each guest because um, <laughs> so, like everybody's just so personal to themselves, but they're all quite similar as well it's always like you look back and you go when I look at it it was just like hearsay that people said that, mm -hmm. made, that gave me like a weird feeling about it and then when you actually see it when you're older it's completely different it's like a completely different situation yeah I was like fearless as a child I, I really was afraid of almost nothing I was quite the opposite I was scared of everything Really? Everything terrified me, yeah. Oh, man. I would, like, jump off my roof just for something fun to do. Like, I was just so... I was, like, a daredevil. All my cousins were boys. We would just, like, get hurt and get dirty and get in trouble, like, mm -hmm. every day. <laughs> no, no, now I'm more cautious. I, I, would, I would do stuff like that. It was more... Um, I was more scared of, I think it was more nighttime. I, I get to nighttime and I'd be like, oh. 
all that noise. <laughs> What's out there? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, even to this day, like, I, I can't watch horror films. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't watch, like them. I can't watch things that scare me and things that make me sad. I, I just can't watch them. Especially yeah. since being a dad, if it involves any sort of like father daughter stuff on the TV, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm crying straight away. It's a, yeah. Something really weird happened when, when that little girl was born and it gave me some sort of emotion. And oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> any, literally anything. I, I can't even remember what I was watching the other day, but it was ridiculous. And I was like, I, like tears streaming down my face. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's a film. I try not to watch shows like that. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do try, but occasionally they're just there. Like, yeah. Or something happens in a film. Like, um, have you seen *Law Abiding Citizen* with uh, Jared Butler? Mm-mm. No, hey, I'll you watch should, it. You should watch that. It's a great film. But he's it's he's a man full of vengeance in that film for what happens right at the beginning. But from the yeah. beginning, I was just like, oh god, <laughs> it's, it's had me then. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll wrap this up because I've got, I do have a 13-year-old I've got to put to bed now. Um, but it's been great talking to Erin. I can't wait to get my eyes on this book, signed cool. book. Um, and we should do it again. We should do one with me, you, and Michael on it. Um, All right. <clears throat> well, that would just be a podcast with Michael, wouldn't it? That's yeah, I was going to say, he just talks so much. I, I was yeah. late to this podcast because I was upstairs trying to get Michael to stop talking for like a microsecond so that I could come downstairs and get the podcast code to get in here. But <laughs> yeah, he's, he's hard to get a word in. Um, but he's much more entertaining than me. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't would go be, that far. Um, I, would, I would be down for that. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed both podcasts actually for, for different reasons. It's been, it's been great. And I do have to get my arse in gear and do this more regularly because I tend to do a couple of really good episodes and then take my foot off the gas a little bit and end up this is like I, yeah. I think my last my last podcast was before October I did another one with a guy called Adam Dorito um, okay. and um, and my brother and then I lost half of it so that, that hasn't been aired at all I've just got to stop it like, I've got to put a bit more um <laughs> more passion into into this stuff because when I'm doing podcasts I love it I love it it's amazing I yeah. love talking to all the different people like finding common grounds that I've had with other guests and stuff but for whatever reason I, I guess you know, it's quite... sorry go ahead no no you carry on oh have you um have you ever talked to Adam Jowsey do you no. know him he might be an interesting guest for you he's he's in London um, he's a coach, but he's also a computer programmer. Okay. He's like, he did one of my favorite podcasts with Mark and Michael, actually. Right. Okay. I'll, um, yeah. well, I'm text, connected te- 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 yeah, te- text me with you. Cause I was going to, I need to contact, uh, Chris, what is it? Woden? Chris Warden? Oh, Chris Warden. Oh yeah. He'd be a yeah. phenomenal one too. I've, I've already got in contact, but I've seen recently he had a, um, he's had a kid, hasn't he? So. Mm-hmm. I sort of didn't pester him and I'm not going to pester him for a little bit. Let him enjoy that time. Um, no, I'll pester him. Yeah. But, but yeah, if you can get me that, the guy's info and everything, I'll, um, I'll hit him up. Okay. And it is, again, it's been absolutely brilliant. And I would like to do it again and talk about more food stuff, more exercise stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. My next book. We'll talk about my next book. Your next book. But I'm, I'm yeah. genuinely, I, I want a copy. Even if you want, like, I'll send you the money now. And, yeah. like, and I, but I want it signed. Yeah, I'll send you a copy. Yeah, nice I'll send you a copy. Um, this one doesn't come out until January. And then I do have another one that's in the works, which I'm super excited about. And I haven't announced yet, but um, I'm co-writing which I really didn't want to do another co-author. I wanted to do my own cookbook. Mm -hmm. But when you see kind of where we're going with this one, you'll be like, oh, okay. Like, no wonder you partnered with this guy. But his name is Trevor Thompson. He's, um, he was a Navy Bohan. SEAL. Bohan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm partnering with Trevor on this next book, and it's going to be pretty epic. It'll be the first time uh, that I, I talk about um, – like cooking for celebrities as well. Oh, well, so it's gonna be okay. a cool mix, yeah. So anyway, well, I'm excited yeah, we'll for that one too. But we'll <laughs> talk about that on the next one. Cool. Sounds All right, good. nice one. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's um, yeah, it's been brilliant. It's it's been a long time in the in the making actually. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for being patient with me. No, no problem at all. So. Um, yeah, I guess until until next time then, Erin. And let's keep in touch. Okay, awesome. Thanks, nice Erin. Bye. Bye. Obsessive. Obsessive. Obsessive Obsessive Inversive